Welcome to episode 100 of Coffee Pods Awards. Uh, before we get going properly, I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone who has listened to like any or one or some or all of the podcasts so far. Um, you just listening now, honestly, you have no idea how much it means like that 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 one little play or one mention in your story or one suggestion to a friend that's like what makes all this work um how much that matters and the difference that it makes to me doing this i don't think you'll really ever comprehend it um as always this episode is sponsored by rain body fuel the ultimate fitness focus trained to support performance and it's also kindly sponsored by ollie clothing a brand dedicated to helping you in your pursuit of success they make products that support all active endeavors and create content that adds clarity and convenience to the self-development process burboxcoachingdevelopment.com will help you develop as a coach through a personal sense through self-discovery while also learning academically about the psychological side of coaching and you can use the code pods in all caps for 20 percent off that and the gymnastics course has opened its online platform for programming as well as for completing the course itself and um, we'll be giving away a free month of programming um to a randomly selected selected patron of the show uh, patreon.com forward slash coffee pods and wads or through the link in my bio on instagram or through coffeepodsandwads.com where you can also find merchandise and other stuff um so yeah today's episode is with brent fakowski um if you know me you know that i've loved brent for a long time so it was a nice little treat for myself uh, for reaching 100. Um, yeah, we chat about fitness, um, we chat about bone broth, we chat about finding that extra 1%, like volleyball, moving to Australia and back, competing, training, uh, retiring, and also how to properly start a podcast episode. Uh, so enjoy, listen, share, and tag. Yeah, so listen, um, thanks a million for doing this, first of all. Um, your episode 100, which is ah! a, a number I never thought I'd get to. <laughs> um yeah i wanted to uh i wanted to i decided to be self-indulgent for episode 100 because i kind of like i pick people to have on that i think are either like you know well known or deserve to be well known and then like uh, you were kind of my introduction to crossfit when, oh, really? yeah so <clears throat> i well i actually have a couple of stories but when i I kind of didn't realize I was doing CrossFit when I started doing CrossFit. It was just a normal, you know, not a global gym, but like a, a, a functional fitness gym. And then it was kind of like, oh, but we're doing this thing called the Open. And I was like, oh, it's the Open. And they're like, oh, it's CrossFit. And I was like, oh, not that fucking shit that everyone's always talking about. <laughs> um, but then I started kind of watching it and stuff. And you and Alex Smith stood out to me. I said, I don't really know why. I think you, the, the main reason I was drawn to you, I think, was because I was like, why the fuck is that guy so much taller than everyone else? Like, this is... <laughs> Like it, you literally stood out um and then i think alex smith because he looked like he was like seven um <laughs> but i yeah i don't know i just i i've loved the two e since and um we actually met uh you and i met at the games like it was the day after you got cut you annie and brent or you annie and pat did a thing with Reebok like a coaching oh yeah yeah thing yeah and we met at that um and you actually also <laughs> it's gonna sound like I'm stalking you now but you actually uh, also sent a video to me to tell to to show to my wife to tell her that I was bringing her to the games that year um I can't remember the girl's name it's someone with the professor project uh, oh like Kelsey Kel- yes that's it yeah it's all Kelly but yeah, yeah those um she arranged it but yeah so oh cool um, it's a it's a a weird full circle moment for me, and probably just a weird moment for you, hearing all that. Back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it, well, I mean, congratulations on a hundred. Like like you said, um, you know, you didn't expect to get this far, but yeah, not a lot of podcasts make it to a hundred. It's, I mean, podcasts are a funny thing. It's like, you know, it takes it takes two years. 
right? Like it's kind of like if you, it's kind, it's the same with most things. It's like if you want something to grow and gain like a bit of a following and a you know reputation and whatever, whether that's a restaurant or a podcast or brand, it's like it usually takes about two years. Hmm. And so, how long have you been doing this? Uh, a year and a couple of months. But okay, I think yeah. so, it was kind of sped up. It was like fast forward because of COVID and stuff. Because I got access to mm, people that I shouldn't have had. Like, right. I, I remember last. To do. Yeah, like last March, I was chatting to Pat, and I was I hadn't had anybody really that big on, and he agreed mm. to do it because he had fuck all else to do. He was just like, yeah, grand. I've got like literally unending time to do nothing, so that's fine. Right. And then I think that opens up doors where people are like, oh, you had him on or you had her on, and it kind of, you know, it, I think it sped up. It gained me, I think I skipped about eight months because of that, and because as well mm. because I had so much time myself to be like, oh, I'll just spend three hours networking or doing this or doing that or whatever, whereas usually I'd be like at work and, would, you know, be squeezing in in the evening, so. Yeah. Are yeah. we, re- like, are, is this the podcast we're recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is fine. I'm used to, I'm used to, now I'm like, did I say any, like, did I swear? Because I usually try not to swear. Um, and that's fine. It's, I mean, it's very natural conversation. Not that I'm all of a sudden going to put on some facade, but usually in the podcast, maybe, maybe this is something for 101 uh, moving onwards. There's usually a moment of like, you come on, you record, you say, all right, is there anything we don't want to talk about? All right. And here we go. My name is I guess you'll probably add that in after. But yeah. well, now, <laughs> so now I'm not. I'm just I'm just gonna edit that bit that you just said and put that in instead of my usual introduction. <laughs> I just I guess it's more what I'm used to. So I was like, oh, this is good. And I'm like, all right, when are we gonna like start the podcast? And I'm like, Brent, you're inside. You're in the podcast. <laughs> it's just yeah. happening. No, I think uh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> no, like, well, I've gotten this far with it, but I think it kind of stops. Uh, it kind of stops people getting too guarded as well. Like, obviously, like I said to you, I won't, it's not gotcha. I'm not going to be like, oh, I tricked him into, you know, saying something he regretted. Like everyone that comes on has the editorial privilege afterwards. But I think if you, if, well, I feel like if I was on a podcast and someone did that to me, like was like, I introducing themselves and me, I'd be a bit more like, oh shit. Okay, here we go. Like, you know, like more. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I, that's our, yeah, we all have our, you know, we're all a little different person in different scenarios as much as we care to not be, you know, we all have different, whether it's like, you're going to obviously talk different to your grandma than you know, your buddies from college. So it's just not that you're yeah. different people. You're just, you know, different person when you need to be, but anyway, okay, yeah. we're in <laughs> good. Yes. Good to be here. Thank you. Copy, pause and wad. Brent Fikowski, five times games. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, Jeez, you get your idol on and he just slates your interview technique from the get-go. It's hard. <laughs> um, well, listen, what, uh, I was curious, like, is coffee something that you drink or like, because you seem very like 1% orientated as in like, what's going to get me that extra little bit? Yeah. Like we talked about your your flow tanks and stuff before and you, I know you're like, do you drink bone broth in the morning or do you have coffee? Um, I don't really drink coffee. Sorry. I, I don't I, Am I your first good podcast guest? I'm surely I'm not. No, no, 100. I've had. I've okay. Had yeah. Yet. Um, I remember thinking when, you know, we had the, when I agreed to do the podcast, I was like, Oh, I'm sure that'll be a talking point coffee. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I, I would hope so. Uh, no, I don't drink. My wife drinks coffee. Um, I, like I, I actually kind of like the taste now. I obviously, you know, when you're younger, you don't really, it's just kind of mm. too bitter. Um, but it's just more, I just, I just save the caffeine for when I need it. 
right so as far as like you know pre-workout which has caffeine in it or coffee caffeine um i really only have it on like really important training days or on competition because then it it does more because if you're just always taking you know 50 milligrams or 75 milligrams every day it still it still lifts you up a bit but it starts to do less and then you need like 200 to really lift you up um and i've just read some studies on it so yeah it's more just like a one percent orientation i like the taste and obviously like I like caffeine, but uh, yeah, so I don't really drink it regularly. So Zevia is your your caffeine source yeah. outside of <laughs> yeah. like hardcore and pre-workouts? I, yeah, well, I've got an Ascent pre-workout. And, you know, there's nothing really hardcore like pre-workout stuff that I'm really into because most any like hardcore pre-workout really, it's, you know, if you look at like the crazy ones, um, you know, like the what's the one that people used to take that like there isn't around anymore? The ones with like Not skulls so. on it and shit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But that, that stuff's just like 300 milligrams of caffeine, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's what, and then there's, and then there's a few ingredients that get you, uh, the itchy that skin can potentially, well, that's beta alanine, yeah. which I sometimes take, I'm not taking it right now. Cause I just was getting sick of the, but, um, and then sometimes there's stuff in the hardcore pre-workouts that like vasodilates. So it like can potentially give you a pump, right? Like allow more blood in. And that doesn't really make any sense for CrossFit. Uh, and, and really you're, and then there might be a couple like, like androgens and like Chinese herbal medicine stuff that will uh, let, again, make you a little more alert, um, which some of that stuff has some really good properties, but really the hardcore pre-workouts is just a lot of caffeine, like a lot, a lot, like more than they should, you know, you should have in a, in a scoop, but, <laughs> but it works, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. watched the office, but when you said about the Chinese herbs, I just thought of ground seahorses. That's all I was picturing after that. Oh, I haven't um, seen, I, I've seen some of the office, but I haven't seen, I'm not like a, like a diehard yeah guy. that's fair yeah. um i i usually ask about a coffee memory then for from guests so i guess i should switch that a little bit to more of a travel based one you've obviously like seen a lot of the world like places that a lot of people might never get to go to like with china and dubai and places like that is there anything that stands yeah. out as like a, a standout memory that you think you'll always look back on oh man <sighs> yeah i think there's plenty i mean i'm i've had a pretty good run so far um there's definitely, I'd like to do more travel. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's this hard balance between, you know, like trying to say yes to every opportunity that you have. And then also, you know, really focusing on like the 1% and making sure you're focusing on training. Uh, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with, uh, talking elite fitness and kind of got into that a little bit without talking about travel, but it's like, yeah, I'd love to go, you know, do a thing, but then it's like, well, you're missing, you know, potentially three weeks of solid training, you know, to do yeah. a, a four day thing in whatever some place but i went to portugal uh after the games in 2018 which was a lot of fun got to see got to see uh, lisbon portugal um which was really nice and was you know kind of more in the off season so it wasn't training quite as much and my wife and i just got to enjoy the city and had some really good gelato and uh <laughs> and just you know ate a little like was a little less particular about how I was eating and then we went to london for a bit as well uh which was really nice got to see uh like the wit um Mm. downtown london which was great and then yeah our two experiences going you know to the to the east or i guess west (laughs) um which was uh dubai on one trip and then uh shanghai in the other one and those are both really cool i think shanghai was kind of unique because i don't think i'd ever would have went there for like like a trip you know Mm. where you want to go for vacation i wouldn't you probably still wouldn't maybe not against anyone who lives in Shanghai, but like recommended. It's not like a super touristy place, but because of that, you just really kind of, you were in it, you know, you were, 
with people that just were living as opposed to being in like a tourist hotspot where yeah. everything's kind of like just twisted to be like the tourist a- tourist yeah, yeah. A- aesthetic. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, those, just little, man, just like little things. And, you know, like after Dubai, you know, we went to this huge shopping mall and I bought some like expense, expensive, uh, like baklava, which was great. And, um, you know, we just like found a bunch of cool little stores and putzed around and, um, same thing in Shanghai. Like, you know, we just, when we were done, we tried to go to some like restaurants and stuff that I usually wouldn't go to before I was competing. So it's kind of those, usually it's the two or three days after the competition. If we have any time while we're there, uh, before I leave that we try to like kind of cram in some fun stuff and go to like Chinatown. Well, I mean, obviously it's, it's all China there. Uh, but, uh, there's like a market, you know, it's like yeah, a, yeah. a market, a little more touristy and just like cheap knickknacks and it's fun. Yeah. Um, you mentioned talking elite there. You've done a lot of podcasts. Uh, you've been on talking Elite a few times and mind muscle project and loud and live. And like, is that aspect of your career? Is that something like, I know it goes kind of goes hand in hand with the job, I guess. Is that something that you enjoy? Like that kind of community outreach aspect of it? Or is it something that you kind of just feel, well, I better do it. I'd say it's a bit of both really. Um, I think sometimes what I, I think something I take for granted is that I just assume because I mean, I've, I've been there that a lot of people kind of know my story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what, what I, when I started CrossFit and why and what my first couple of years were like, and then I kind of, you know, I think about like my Instagram and I'm like, Oh, I gained most of my Instagram followers, you know, when I made the games or like after I'd made the games once or twice, So I'm like, oh, like most of those people, you know, they weren't there when I like missed out on the games. And so, Mm. you know, kind of like providing that insight. um, And that's often something that people like want to hear more about because it's a little more relatable. Um, You know, when I had a full-time job or when I was, you know, a full-time student and training and what that kind of transition looked like, because now, um, you know, I, there's still obviously like transferable things about what I'm going through now, but it's a lot different and maybe not quite as relatable to some people. So that's something when I go into podcasts, I try to like, um, you know, bring that up, I guess, if it's, if it's appropriate time to bring it up, but I I do enjoy going on podcasts, but you know, it's just kind of, you just have to be mindful that it's like one more thing, right? It's just like, if you keep saying yes to, if I said yes to every single podcast invitation I was given, um, you know, I'd be spending two hours a week, and then the little time before and after prepping and so on. And it's like, oh, that ends up being quite a bit of time, you know? Mm. So, but I do enjoy it. You mentioned like gaining followers there. Like I've, I've kind of got, a, I suppose, a sort of love-hate relationship with social media. Like I've kind of, I've got the the benefit, I guess, of I've create, cr- created like a kind of supportive bubble of like listeners and former guests and people who are interested in it and stuff. So I think when I step outside of that, then it gets kind of murky, like even uh, I don't know if you saw Castro shared a video of Noel Olson saying like why he's in the open or whatever. And just the comments on it, like it, you know, largely say 75% supportive, but the, the other was just so like negative that it like, and he put up, Noah put up a, a story of like, a, you know, a quote in a gratitude journal. And he was like, I needed this after yesterday, like pertaining to that. And like, yeah. just the con, like, is that like, something that I suppose, is it difficult to not get dragged into that side of thing? Because when you're kind of so accessible now and every, like anyone can comment on anything you put up or can reply to anything you put up. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. I, I think for me, 
you, I think, you know, I, I've learned to create, to create boundaries, right. Mm. Um, because it's like that type of continual, like you said, you know, like, let's say on that post, I, I haven't seen that post, but I can imagine, right. If, uh, there's a, there's definitely a vocal group of people that don't like Noah, mm. right. That, you know, Cause he's, whatever it's that cause is. he's strong and happy and it's not fair. And it's like, he's obviously faking it or he's on steroids. Like it has to be something I can't, I can't be happy. So he must be faking or I can't be strong. So he must be on steroids. Like that's the. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just for whatever reason. I mean, everyone has a group of people that don't like them. And you know, if I, it, it, anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I think you, so I guess what, what I've come, I've, you know, I give this a bit of thought and, you know, in my normal life, like, if you were, let's say in, in high school or junior high and you were, you were bullied, like that's different. You're actually dealing with like sort of like verbal negative harassment, let's say like, you know, in person regularly, but usually once if, if you're in that kind of situation and that's super negative, right? Like that can be super harmful mm-hmm. um, emotionally and stuff. And so, you know, once you're usually out of that kind of high school, junior high environment, you know, you, you could be in a workplace that's, uh, you know, bullying, but so I think about my regular life and it's, it just doesn't really happen. And even like when I go to a CrossFit event, I'm like, people aren't like, you know, like you suck or, and I, you know, I've been, a, I've been walking beside Noah to and from competitions and, you know, all the time. And everyone's just like, Noah, no, you know, like give them, give everyone, you know, they're just asked for autographs. So it's when you're in person, like there's that negativity doesn't really exist mm. online. There's a lot more of it. Uh, and so you know, you just need to develop either like boundaries or just have some very specific coping mechanisms. And like Noah, you know, he did the journaling, which is super important, right? It's like, if you're taking in, if he's going to go through and read all those comments, it's like, that's going to put a damper on your mood, man. Like, I don't care who you are. You're going to, you know, you have to do something. You have to mindfully do something to combat that. And, you know, that could be, you know, journaling or, you know, having a conversation or, like, so f- for example, if, if I'm finding myself slipping into that sort of negative state, whether that's from reading a comment or maybe I had a bad training session and I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I suck. I'm not gonna, I can't do this anymore. I'm, you know, I'm no good. It's like, all right, I got to pull myself out of that by doing something very positive, writing down like 30 things that are good about what I have going on right now and who I am and, you know indicators that things are going well or what you know whatever that looks like and i'm sure noah has those strategies too you have to because you know i mean part of part of the gig for me is putting myself out there and you know try to interact with some people and answer some questions and stuff on my social media if someone comments on my posts and asks about you know the shoes i'm wearing or you know why my elbows are pointing out instead of in and i might just try to respond to them because it's you know nice thing to do and kind of grows the brand a bit but in reading those comments i'm going to come across some that are (laughs) not so nice and so you know it's not that you're like too big to hear the rumors you just got to be too big to pay attention to them you know yeah. that's um, a dr dre reference <laughs> i've written uh while we're on media i've written i've just written san diego san diego so like that <laughs> song from the documentary series so that almost broke my marriage at one point where like I'd just be randomly walking around the house and just be like, and my wife would be like, where's that song from? Like consistently. Um, it looked like, so it looked like you had fun the first time. It looked like you kind of, I guess you showed a side of yourself that people, like if people really paid a lot of attention to your social media and like caught glimpses of it in the documentaries and stuff, but it was like a full on like 
uh, I guess, glimpse into who you are and how you get through stuff and how, like how you are in day to day life, I guess. And like the fact that you don't take yourself too seriously, which is brilliant. Like asking people, do you know who Brent Fikowski is? Is just like yeah. hilarious. <laughs> um, and then the second time, like with Pat seemed to just ramp it up even higher to like just ridiculousness, I suppose. Like with the 80s montage, like was that, did you come up with that? Or like, were you convincing them to let you do it? Or did they convince you to do it? Uh, a bit of both. Like I'd say, you know, so the, so the guys like behind the camera, um, Sam, Tyler, uh, most, most of the general concepts are their ideas and then we'll just kind of riff on them and Hmm. we'll get a bit creative and, you know, I might, uh, send them a clip from some skit I saw or some, you know, movie and, oh, like, here's an idea for a, you know, they might say, oh, we need an intro sequence for this episode to kind of like bridge the gap between this and this. So, you know, I'm going to give them credit that most of it comes from their brain, like the general concepts, but then we'll kind of riff on what that could look like. And then, you know, obviously like that eighties montage to start things, the general, the general script they created. And then while we're filming, I'd be like, Oh, like this, you know, we're, I'm doing the exercise. I'm like, Oh, this would be funny. Like we have this trampoline. Why don't I, why don't I do this? Or why don't I box or, you know, I'll, I'll use the the Cheetos as like chalk dust before I do a pull up, you know? So, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that you, yeah, obviously that you enjoyed it. And a lot of people have, and I like someone, you know, it's actually really insightful. Someone, posted commented something within the last couple months on my um on my instagram or dm or something and they're like oh you know you're my favorite athlete something and they're like because you take training seriously but nothing else yeah or something and i was like oh like that's actually like pretty accurate because you know i don't you know when i'm training like i don't do goofy stuff in my training like you're not i don't think you could find a video of me doing like a a one-arm barbell snatch because i'm like that's dangerous i'm not going to do it like there's just no amount of there's no reason for me to do that like when i'm doing the exercises, the sets and reps, I take it very seriously. And then like, you know, in between I don't, and I don't even like really take, you know, I, I realize how kind of ridiculous the, the sport is in any sport, really. I mean, like, you know, basketball is ridiculous, right? You're just like trying to put a ball in this like metal rim and there's a mesh net. It's just, it's all of it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, anyway, I don't know really where I was going there. But, no, but yeah. I think like I'm, I'm glad you liked all in, and I'm glad that it, it kind of felt it felt as though you got an insight into you know me, which I think it was. I think you know that's kind of what we wanted, and I think it did a good job of that. Yeah, but I think even like what you're saying there about not taking certain aspects seriously while taking others seriously. Like we'll get on to the professor project and stuff later on, but you can even see the the like the effort that's being put into that and the professionalism that's like in the videos and in the like presentation of it. It's not just like you're not just cobbling together things being like, Oh fuck it. That'll do like, you know, there's obviously it like when you need to take something seriously, you can, but I think the, the endearing quality you have is that it's like, yeah, I'm totally fine taking the piss out of myself and out of everything around me, but not when it comes to stuff that's actually important, like, which is good. Yeah. Um, I think as well, I'd be remiss in not thanking you because usually for an interview, I have to go through like loads of different websites. I have to listen to all podcasts. I have to like watch YouTube clips for hours to gobble together stuff. Um, you probably have the most extensive bio I have ever seen on <laughs> any website. So it's like, it's broken down into timelines, like subject matter. It's like, I was like, I clicked onto it. It'd be like about, oh, I want to be out in this. I was like, oh, yep. It, this is literally everything I would normally write down. So this is handy. <laughs> Yeah. So um, for those of you listening and wondering what he's talking about, I have a website, which we created like, you know, two years ago, maybe 
Um, and I, it's, it needs a little bit of updating, but it's pretty well updated. Yeah, it's quite and close. there was, there's like a, essentially kind of like a, a timeline, like a story of like my competition st- story. Like a diary nearly. Yeah. It's kind of like a diary really. Um, and, uh, the reason it, it was actually kind of easy to do. I, um, sat down with someone and I, they just asked me questions, uh, and I just, kind of told them like year by year and then they typed it up for me and i just read through it and i was like yeah that sounds good <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's so long i was like yeah. you know it was just we're like all right like what did i'm like oh i started this and then they just kind of condensed it it's very much like if we were to do an interview and you know talk for an hour about the progression of you know year zero to today um yeah. and i think you know it's probably you know there's probably about six months that i haven't i haven't updated it since but yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, for me, there's every, yeah, everything's in there. Lots of old photos and every competition I've ever done and my placing yeah. in those and uh, you know my new you know newsletter and stuff. If you want to sign up to my weekly newsletter, did you know that know those off the top of your head? Like, did you know like oh fifth place in this? Like just, mostly, yeah. I just cool. know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could pretty much you could pretty much ask every competition I've been to, and I'd be like, I well, I mean, I might not know my like exact open rank because there's like 120, you know, whatever. But yeah. but like in person events, yeah, I I know where I'd place in all of them. Hmm. Um, on that, so swimming in your early days and then volleyball, I suppose like soon after that, is something that like you really excelled at volleyball all the way up. Like was sport, is that something that like were your parents kind of keen to get you involved in that? Or is that something that you kind of veered towards yourself? Yeah, they just, they always kept me and my sister busy. Uh, so, you know, we were, I think, you know, it's one of these things like I, one day I plan to have kids and when I do, I, I'm going to have to like kind of pick their brain about that and how they did it. I think they just tried to get us involved in it, a bunch of stuff. And then sort of as we got older, you know, become a little more apparent in what we were interested in. And so, you know, they, my sister played piano and I played guitar. Um, you know, they put us in different sports and we just kind of bounced around to different sports really as we grew up. And then we really kind of hooked hooked into swimming, um, which we did, you know, from kindergarten to grade 12 every summer. And it was fun because we got to, you know, you go to these swim meets and you'd camp for the weekend and you'd do the swim meet and you'd stay for an extra couple of days in the, in the motorhome type thing. Uh, and then volleyball was something that, yeah, it just, it was just a good fit. Like I was, you know, taller. Uh, it's funny as you get to college, I was a short volleyball player, <laughs> but in CrossFit now I'm like the tall guy. So it's like, oh, geez, can't catch a break. But um <laughs> Yeah, it was just something I gravitated towards. There was like, you know, really good coaching and um, it just sort of suited my, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was just, it just was a good fit. Um, basketball, I think there's too many moving pieces and I'm a little too high strung. And so it's just like, I couldn't quite keep up. And then also the coaches and stuff like just weren't quite as good, to be honest. Like now yeah. looking back, I see that at the time I didn't. And then uh, boys volleyball, it's, there's, it's a very like a pattern to it, right? Where there's, it's, it's, it's very fast, but as soon as the ball moves to there to there, then there's like a very specific place you need to be, mm. but you need to get there really quick. And then as soon as that happens, depending on where it goes, you either turn left or right and you move to here or here. So it's this like very fast, you know, movement of all these pieces. Um, and you have to make split second decisions still like in you know basketball, do I go left or right? And some of those things are up to you, but a lot of it is like, you know, a series of plays um, that are audibles and stuff. And so, yeah, it just it just suited my my personality. Something like basketball, I think, was a bit too just free flowing, and I'm just a little too uh, type A to to like be relaxed enough to go with that flow. Um, yeah, yeah, I was good at rebounding, but <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> um, you shipped out to Australia. Uh, was that like a college exchange, or how did that come about? 
Yeah. I, so I was out of college for two years and then the plan was to, you kind of do two years of college, two years of university for the degree that I was planning to do, uh, which was accounting. And the plan was just to go to the university in the same city where I grew up. And then I was in college taking my university or my college degree. And they had this sort of little uh, lunchtime presentation. And they're like, you know, you can transfer your degree. And instead of getting a degree at the University of Lethbridge, you can get it at the University of Griffith or Griffith University in Australia. And my best friend and I were going to school there and we thought that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> so we, yeah, we worked for 10 months and saved up all our money. And, you know, we both had like, I had like three, a full-time job and then like three part-time jobs uh, where I was just, I was just working nonstop just to save up all the money I could. And then, yeah, I moved there and got my degree in Australia. And those were the days probably the, probably will go down to some of the coolest days of my life for sure. Well, when you were there, you, you started taking CrossFit more, like you found CrossFit, I guess, and took yeah, it, started it. taking it more seriously um, yeah. and veered towards it over volleyball, I guess. Um, you mentioned in your, uh, oh, I'm going to call it an autobiography. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned in that, that you, uh, you finished fifth in a competition in, in CrossFit Crossaxed. Um, is that like, was that sort of a crystallizing moment for you? Or had you already had that kind of moment of like, I could, properly do this like long-term uh so there was no real like long-term vision at that point it was just that was definitely a, a crystallizing moment where I was like oh I, w- I want to compete in this hmm. and it was around that time where I kind of learned what regionals in the open was and then right after that competition the coach I had Drew Griffith uh the head coach of the gym I was at he's like we're gonna do like last year's open the next five weeks so just every hmm. Friday the workout's going to be the, the work open workout. And then we can like look at the leaderboard and see if you would have qualified, you know, six months ago. I was like, Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Um, Cause I still didn't really believe that I was like good enough to go to regionals. Um, it just, you know, I just had this kind of idea in my mind of what it was and I wasn't there. And so we did the workouts and I think I would have just barely qualified or like just missed out, but I was still like, I could hardly do muscle ups. Like I was doing like one at a time. Um, and there were one or two other movements. I just, was really bad at um so i was like oh like i'm like in six seven months like i can definitely do more muscle ups mm-hmm. and i can definitely do like more chest bars and i can definitely increase my my deadlift so i'm like okay like let's do this so then i just kind of you know just started taking training more seriously you know wasn't doing as you know was kind of was still playing some volleyball because i had some commitments to a team that i was uh, playing with but kind of as did as little as possible to maintain that commitment and then all the rest of my time that I could spare, I was pretty much at the gym and just trying to get better. And, you know, the, the only, at that time, the only real goal was, you know, do the open and then go to regionals. And, and I was doing a bunch of other little competitions. They had a bunch of team events and individual events every like couple of weekends. I just, you know, bike somewhere or drive somewhere and, or get a ride. Cause I didn't have a car. Uh, and yeah, that, there wasn't like, it wasn't a long term like I'm going to make this a career. There wasn't at all that was not a vision at all. It was just, did that come at at a later point or did it just sort of happen? Yeah. I mean, I was really kind of resistant towards it. Uh, You know, I I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't, I never, I never wanted to be a professional athlete. Like it never really was like a, like a dream of mine, I guess. I was like, I want to have a job. Like I, I enjoyed, I always enjoyed school. Like I enjoyed, you know, working. And so, 
you know, the concept of, I, I always was doing work and then the sport was the, the side passion, you know, right. and that was, whether that was volleyball or, and then it came CrossFit. And so there was, you know, it was just, I would work to make the money and then I would spend money on my passions, which, you know, there was a time when more of that honestly was like guitar and playing guitar and music. And then, and then it, you know, was between that and sport. And so at the time it was just, you know, all my spare time and every weekend, it was just like, let's get better at CrossFit. Let's train for CrossFit. Let's, you know, travel to a competition and get back in time to start work Monday at 9am. And, and that was just, I was totally okay with that. And there was never like a plan to do any of that. And then, you know, I got like a little sponsor and I was like, Oh, that's cool. I get some, you know, free supplements. Like that'll, that'll help save me some money. And, um, you know, and then I did well enough at regionals my second year that I thought, oh, like I can actually make the games. Like if I just keep doing what I'm doing and training hard, like I, it's not unrealistic, which, you know, before that I didn't really think I could mm -hmm. until there was like some very specific proof that like, and that's what always kind of, uh, that's just how I always looked at it. And that's what always kind of roll. Not, I don't know if I roll my eyes. Like when people say like, I want to make the games and I'm like, okay, you know, like, and they like haven't even been in a cross gym yet or they just started. And I'm like, man, like just like find a competition and go to it, you know, like see if you like it, like just train six days a week and go to bed early and like, don't do anything else. And like, see if you can like live with yourself for two, three months. Cause not everyone can, yeah. that's just not, they're like, well, I want to go out, have some drinks and I want to go see this movie and I want to go camping. I'm like, well, you can't do those things. Like, you can't go camping every weekend if you want to, get better like because someone else isn't doing that and they're already better than you you know so anyway um yeah it was just like this very slow kind of progression and then it got to a point where honestly i was just so stressed out because i had so many commitments with work because it's you know tech companies were kind of like online a lot and i was never really logging out and then more and more opportunities to to travel and compete and more obligations from sponsors and then i was like trying to keep up my social media game and, you know, more training because I needed to, and, you know, there's more stress of competitions. I'm like, something's got to give and, you know, it's going to be the job. So let's just, mm -hmm. just put, let's just go full-time athlete. Um, you mentioned regionals. So like 2014, 2015, you missed out um, at the regional stage, but I guess had a, uh, maybe like a very different reaction to both years. We'll say we're 14, you're yeah. kind of seemed like you had a bit of a fire lit under you and you were like, yeah, okay, like dust myself off and go again. Whereas 15, it seemed like you were maybe in a bit more of a hole afterwards. Why do you think it was so much harder to take in 15 than 14? It's a good question. Um, it just, it was all just between my ears, right? So it was how I was perceiving the competition really leading up to it was, was what caused that. It wasn't really a difference in, you know, performance and it wasn't because I was it was to leading up to 2014 I was just I was excited to compete I just wanted to do my best um I'd kind of come off a bit of a an injury and so I was just like hey you know I'm, I'm new to this regional I'm just gonna go there and have a good time show people what's up like just enjoy competing and then before I knew it I was like oh man I almost made the games and even though I was in a qualifying spot and slipped out slipped out in the last event I was like man I still overperformed like I wasn't even really expecting to do that well now I really believe I can make the games and I know I, this, this year training is going to be so much better. So like sweet, like green grass is going to be a great year. And then the, then as that year dragged along, by the time I got to regionals the next year, I just put a lot of pressure on myself. There's just a lot of like, you got to make it like, this is the time, like, you know, just like a lot of kind of like really improperly focused aggression and like energy and 
and it just kind of wound me up. And I had like a really small injury before, but that wasn't really the reason I was just so, so wound up and was just stressing myself out. Like kind of some, some nights or some days, like just in training, like kind of on the verge of tears. Cause it was just like, I just wanted it so bad. And yeah, then when it didn't happen, it was this feeling of like, I don't know if I can do that again, because those couple months leading up to regionals 2015 were so emotionally draining on myself and, uh, and Claire, um, my my wife now uh girlfriend at the time that i was like i don't like can we do that again for another year like can i put myself through that like agony and that much stress to then just fail again because i don't know if i can do that like oh i'm freaking that that'll be the end of me you know um and so that's all it was you know that that was it was just the it was the perception of you know the pressure related to the competition that just uh drove me mad so to speak <laughs> how like but how do you recover from that because obviously if you're like if you're doubting say when was regionals like may if you're may, doubting yep. yourself coming up to that you do it you, you're obviously like you know the end of may is a write-off just with being pissed off or disappointed and then yeah. if you're having discussions about maybe not being able to do it again like to to bounce to rebound to qualify like it's quite a swing like from maybe not doing it again to qualifying so was it like was that something that you uh became you became aware of those thoughts we'll say quickly after 2015 and were able to work on it long term or was it like now with hindsight looking back you know that that's what the issue was no i mean i knew that was the i knew that was the issue and i just didn't know what the solution was yeah so, you know, from May, June, July, really August, kind of this like, you know, I was considering stopping CrossFit. I was like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, become a rower, you know, like maybe I'll try to like make the Olympics in rowing or something. Or I just was, you know, I was just contemplating doing other things. It's funny. I was trying to find another sport because I still had this <laughs> desire to train. Like I wasn't just going to not do a sport. I was like, well, I'll find something. Um and then I, but then I was just, I was still kind of training. And I think I did a, at least one comp or maybe it was Olympic weightlifting comp and a, and a CrossFit competition in, in like uh, Alberta traveled a little bit for that, like a couple hour drive and just started to fall in love with the training again. I'm like, oh, training's going well. Like I should probably do it. And then I was like, all right, like I need to get my head right. You know, I need to get my head right, get that figured out. So kind of like bouncing around to different things, trying to figure out what I need to do. And um, I reached out to, my uh this will always be like a very light bulb kind of defining moment when i look back at all this uh crossfit stuff i've done and i sent a message to my old uh high school volleyball coach Ard bishaval and so he was really big on mental training like we would be in a classroom twice a week with our volleyball team like doing mental training stuff um and i kind of like phil jackson would do with the bulls that sort of thing and i i remember man, i could probably pull it up i mean i'm sure it's still on facebook but um i messaged him somewhere along the lines of like hey you know like gonna make another push this year and i want to i want to make sure this year like there's no doubts like i just i i know i i know we have we have the physical stuff like it's gonna get there i just need to go into this next competition with like with no doubt that um that i can win um you know any any tips any advice and uh he just sent me a like a screenshot of a quote from a book uh, from by Joshua Medcalf, Chop Wood, Carry Water. And it was this long quote, and I'll kind of paraphrase it, but it was, uh, it was about surrendering the outcome. And so it's like the, 
the person who surrenders the outcome and knows that they could win or lose, or the warrior that knows in battle he could win or die, actually has the greatest chance of survival and has the greatest chance of victory because they're freeing themselves to just perform at their best instead of, you know, spending, you know, any sort of energy on trying to control, you know, the end outcome over which they really have no control. The only thing they have control over is, is their actions in each moment. Is this, did you put this up on your, in your Jamie essay on the, Oh yeah. 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 yeah on, the, on the board. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll write different quotes on there and you know, I'll just change them every couple of weeks. And that was just one that was coming up and um, very serendipitous. We're going this direction. Yeah. A lot of podcasts go in this direction, <laughs> which is fine. I guess I drag them there, but the uh, and yeah, I remember feeling that and just, oh, just feeling like relieved because, you know, I was trying to convince myself that I needed to have this like unwavering belief, like I'm going to win. Like there's nothing that like, there's no way, but I didn't, I didn't believe that. Mm. Right. It was like, there's too much. I'm like, well, I haven't won the last three times, and, you know, and like, I, you know, there's this, obviously, no matter how, no matter how good you are, there is a, always a possibility you might not win. Right. And yeah. so I just like, I was struggling with this, like these, this conflict, there was this conflicting idea in my head of like, well, I have to believe I can win at no, all costs. But then I'm, there's on the other side, I'm like, well, that's not actually true. <laughs> Uh, and so when I read this, it was like, oh, that's like exactly what I needed to hear. And it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. yeah. And it was what we did in high school. I just had lost sight of that over yeah. the years. Um, like success obviously followed then. So like fourth, second and fourth, like when those moments occur. So if you, if you have those kind of dips after like, we'll say almost succeeding, you know, mm success is relative i suppose but like almost succeeding almost getting your your goal of going to the games and then you go fourth second fourth like when those happen is is there a danger of the opposite there of like having to be immediately faced with having to either repeat or better what you've just done or does that thing of like surrendering the outcome carry through with that and you know is that ever something you struggle with say the other side of things oh yeah i mean every every couple days or weeks or months, you know, you slip out of the ideal, you know, I'm still on the journey of like trying to harness the, the ideal mindset 24, seven, 365. Right. And so there've mm -hmm. definitely been, we could, I mean, we could go competition by competition since. So let me put it this way, 2016 regionals when I qualified, that was a, a very good competition for me. Um, you know, for those, like I was in the flow state or the zone for every single workout, mm. Um, I executed all my strategies to perfection. I either matched or beat all my training times. I got no, no reps. I think my event placings is seven workouts. It was something like, like second, third, first, fourth, first, third, or something like they were just like awesome. Um, and then I was going into the games, you know, they do like the combined regional leaderboard. And I think I was going into the games ranked like sixth or seventh or something mm -hmm. in the world. And so it was like, you know, I, I, at that, that particular competition was like, as far as mindset goes and like performance relative to my absolute best, it was like right near the tippy top. And so since then I've competed, you know, 20 times or something. And each one has been, some have been up there, right up there matching that one. And others from a mental standpoint have been not so great. And, you know, you, you try to just keep it you know, I've just, I've made mistakes <laughs> and I've just made mistakes. And sometimes, and sometimes a lot, most of the time, honestly, they're not always correlated to like, you know, the final position. Like there's some competitions where I placed, 
you know, I've won or I've come second or something. It's like, oh, like Brent did well. Whereas, you know, mentally looking back, I'm like, I was a wreck. Like that was like, that was a, it was bad. <laughs> um, where, you know, and there's inverse where it's like, man, you know, I was like, I was really happy with like, you know, I performed well relative to my max and I, you know, was in a good headspace and I was consistent. And then the performance, like on paper, like, you know, I placed whatever fifth or something, it was kind of our like 10th or whatever it was. And you just kind of like, oh, it didn't really, and that's just how it is. So I'm just trying to like, you know, this year I'm hopefully older and wiser and I feel like I can really put myself, I feel like I'm on track to put myself in the right place this year, yeah. but I'll have to kind of wait and see. I heard an interesting story about um, 2018 games where uh, CrossFit kicked you off your scooter and wouldn't let you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when you're at the games, you walk so much. So I was only in California once and looking back now, I'm like looking back and everything was really quite close for the athletes. Like you were, and you were very, very protected from the fans. So you would just, you had this like athlete tent, uh, like air conditioned and you walk right out and then there was a warm up area. And then you just kind of like go down like a hall uh, and you're right in the tennis stadium or you go down like a little bit longer and you're on the grass, the soccer mm-hmm. stadium. And along the, along both of those, there was no fans. In Madison, I get there year one, 2017. And you're just, you walk forever. You walk like a mile. So you, you have the athlete area to warm up and then our warm up area, which is shared with, you know, the masters, the teenagers, the teams of four, um, lots of event stuff. So, you know, there's quite a few people in the warm up area and sometimes you get people taking a photo, but they like try to get people not to do that. It's fine. Do that. And then they're like, they marshal you and they're like, let's go. And then we walk. It's like the freaking Hobbit. And you, you walk like like down this thing and then there's like you're past the parking lot so people are there asking for photos and you kind of go like in this private area and then you go up up the staircase and down the staircase which is right where you enter if you've been to the games in madison there's like you know the entryway and you scan your badge and people are oh, waving at you getting signatures you come down you go they like parade you past the beer garden and then like down this hallway down this other hallway and then you're like around all these like tents and the first aid and like around inside the stadium like on the bottom and then you're at the, another warm-up area you're walking for i don't even know it's it's quite a bit like it's fine i don't mind doing it and so i brought a scooter the next year just a little push scooter put some zevia stickers on it you know just like a 50 dollars scooter and my plan was just to scoot (laughs) and like you know pick it up off the stairs i'm like oh man this is is great instead of walking like 10 miles i might walk like four um just save the legs and they're like yeah no like (laughs) you're not allowed to do all right so anyway, that's, that's, that's the scoot story i thought it was a really good idea and someone gave me a hard time <laughs> bridges josh bridges he looks and he goes millennials <laughs> which was really funny and then uh you know he's like, oh, i'm grumbling about it and i'm like hey and then someone else i forget who it was I don't want, yeah. And they're like, man, like, it's honest. It's a pretty smart idea. Like, I mean, yeah, it's a little dorky and like a little wussy, whatever. It's like, we walk a lot and you, you finish some workout that's all squats and they're like, no, no time to work. Cool down. You got to go back. Oh my gosh. You're just like walking with sore quads for like 2k or whatever it is. Pretty funny. So the scoot, scooter would have been nice, but they didn't have to use it. Um, in 2019, 2020 then obviously like radically different um so 2019 i suppose because the number of entrants and then the system like the cuts and stuff did you enjoy that games like any of it or was it like did you did you 
like what are your say residual feelings from it um let me put i think the best way to look at that is if i could do it all again would i still go it's like yes so then in that way i did enjoy it yeah now you have to understand that as a whole like most crossfit competitions aren't enjoyable yeah it's it's a lot you know um like competing in volleyball is fun right like it is it's it's genuinely like fun like yeah there's pressure um you know which can you know it's it's not like we're living in syria right and you, it's like it's fine it's it's but but crossfit competitions as a whole like they're not particularly fun there's little moments and it's it's satisfying and there's a feeling of like fulfillment when you when you accomplish them um, and there are some that are more fun than others, but the game isn't particularly fun. I don't think anyone can really say like, oh, there's so much. It's not really. Um, but that year in particular, I would say was, you know, the least enjoyable. And I think, I mean, I, I even spoke to some people that made the top 10 and I'm not going to put words in any specific athletes mouths, but you know, there were how many, you know, 150 men, 150 women. I don't think anyone enjoyed the event really. Mm-hmm. Like um, it wasn't really it, there was no time to, to soak it, Like every event was announced right before you did it. And so like, as a spectator that was there, people had no idea what was going on. You know, as an athlete, there was no like, kind of like downtime usually in the other. And they, you know, I'm sounding like I'm complaining here. Right. But I'm just giving people an example of what this is like. So typically at the games, you know, you arrive in the pretty early in the morning, you might have like a briefing and then you kind of know how the day is laid out and most of the events are announced. Um, and so you have some time just to like sit down, eat some food. You know, maybe there's like an hour or two break. We can actually just like sit down, chum with the boys, you know, maybe watch the girls heat on the, on the TV and then we'll warm up and whatever. And the games in 2019, um, you know, you were they're like, we have to go to a briefing. I'm like, we're here. Like, no, over there. I'm like, all right. Like, when do we start the next event? Like after the briefing. Like, what do I, what do I need to bring? Like, how long will we be there? Bring everything. So you bring like your cooler, you bring all your shoes cause you don't know what you're doing. And then you get there and it's like, Oh, it's handstand walks, burpees. And you're like, why do I have my weightlifting shoes? And like all, like you bring your food for the day. Cause you're like, you know, they don't tell you how long you're going to be there. And it was just like that every day, hmm. which I don't know. I mean, maybe someone would say, Oh, unknown and unknowable, like ready for anything. And I'm like, is it though? Like, is that, so it just, it just from all, all that logistics and then all the people getting cut and that kind of confusion around that um, and obviously some frustration, it was just kind of done in a flash. And like, you know, obviously like I was training to compete for full games, like no one went there planning to get cut. And so, you know, I finished a couple events and like, you know, I think my, well, my lats were and my legs were a bit sore and I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's my year is done. And it just was just kind of like, like, meh. You know, mm. uh, so just, I, I'd do it all again, right? I'd still go and it's, you know, obviously little things I'd change. I probably ideally wouldn't have fallen on my face in the handstand walk, um, among other little changes, but it's like, it wasn't really, you know, to be fair, like most competitions aren't like enjoyable in like the typical sense of when a competition is enjoyable, but even from a satisfaction standpoint, it didn't leave you feeling very satisfied. Obviously I got cut, but even I think for a lot of people that did get cut or sorry, finished in the top 10, um, I think it was still this feeling of like, that was a weird event, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't really what I was training for, you know, like you're training for what you've seen previously. And because there's no rules describing what it is you're training for, you just train based on the average of the last couple of years. And then 
when it's all done, you know, you're like, yeah, like that, you, even if you finish in the top 10, you're like, yeah, that was like you know, good. I finished the top 10. That's sweet. Got to do the whole weekend, but I still think it was just, you know, it's like, this was kind of weird, like mm-hmm. a little, little, like a uh, anti climatic. Yeah. Um, the next year then obviously huge chance for redemption and, you know, like to, to, you know, make hay again and have a great season and then COVID yeah. lands, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> obviously not, not before you stood tall in Dubai. Um, I, I like, I was kind of curious the year before you went to China, um, which seemed like, um, I don't know, like, uh, you know, a thoughtful choice, maybe like a, a considered option when it came to sanctionals of like, where could I go and where is a good route to, you know, to guarantee qualification. Whereas Dubai is like, it seems like a lot more of like, a, I want to really challenge myself and like, see, like, was that the idea behind it? Like to have a totally different kind of feeling towards it? I'd say yes. So, I mean, when you know, 2019, leading up to the games, you know, the, the rules were changing and it was, it was a big mystery on what the season was going to be even kind of like, as it started, you know, there wasn't really a lot of information. And so, you know, we're just trying to figure it out. And I think, I don't even honestly remember the exact criteria on which I decided to go to China. It was definitely part of it was, you know, it was, you know, I, I assumed that the competition there might be um, not as steep. And I'm like, well, if you have to win an event, like that's, that's how you get to the games. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, well, you know, th- that's my goal. My primary purpose is to just make it to the games. And then when I get there, be at my best, I'm like, well, you know, statistically speaking, if you go to a competition where there's probably not as many athletes at your level, you're probably going to win. So it was like, you know, it was part of that. And then I had like some contingencies with Granite Games and there was even another event. I don't remember which one it was now that I'd go to again. That didn't work. Um, and yeah, and then I think after that, I, I think part of the part of the rationale was I was like, man, like, you know, we don't know what the games is going to look like in 2020. Like, it could be, you know, the same like cuts and some like I need to use this fitness that I have and, and enjoy some like peak competition experiences with against the best guys and try to, you know, essentially try to get that like satisfaction that you get from the CrossFit games somewhere else, because mm-hmm. I might not get it again next year, even if no matter how fit I am. And, I, you know, and I needed to be better in 2019, right? Like, um, you know, the cuts and the programming or whatever, it's like the more athletes. Yeah. Like it obviously wasn't like what we're used to seeing, but I still needed to be a better athlete and perform better based on my abilities. But anyway, um, so yeah, really after the games, I'm like, all right, I got to put myself out there. Like, you know, let's go to, let's go to the biggest, baddest event that comes up kind of first. And it was Dubai. And then I was going to go to uh, West coast classic, which also had a really stacked lineup. Obviously COVID canceled that. And I think I was, I was maybe going to go to one more, which would have also been a pretty big event. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to just kind of like, just put it out there and yeah, let it all hang out and have a good time and see, see where I stood. And, and, you know, I look back at the the programming from the last few years of Dubai and I thought, yeah, like it's a lot, you know, it's very games esque, but it's also like still up my alley. Like I'm not yeah. like going there to, um, I'm not going there to lose. Like I, I look at those events and I think, Oh, I could have placed really well in a lot of the, you know, the previous Dubai competitions. So let's do it. And then like, obviously you're high on, you know, you're high on ability anyway, and then you're high on confidence. Like you're, you know, ego has been massaged by standing on top of the podium and stuff. You must be feeling pretty good. Like, is it hard to stomach then that the 
format changes to the games and everything changes so much when it's something that's so totally out of your control. Yeah, I mean, you kind of learn to live with that in this sport. Um, you know, like people ask me like uh, in years prior, like, what do you think the open workout's going to be? And I'm like, I don't waste my time with that. Like, you know, like literally I'm like probably burpees, you know, I don't know, something with a dumbbell or a barbell. Like, you know, I just, and, and because it's just not, you just have to really release that. And I have a very, you know, everything I do, I try to have a, a good reason for it and a rationale for it. And so if there's ever, you know, if I'm, if I'm deeply involved in something like I am with the sport of CrossFit and I see some decision and I'm like struggling to find how someone made that decision, obviously that's like kind of frustrating, um, which is how I felt at times about aspects, not all of it, but aspects of like, let's say the 2019 games where I kind of looked at that and I'm just like, I don't, you know, if I'm thinking of like why you hold this competition and who the, the stakeholders are and how it grows, and just all these little things. I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I still don't understand why certain things were done this way. Mm. Um, like for example, the events being announced, you know, every single event being announced just before it happened. Um, I just, I, I struggle to find like a, a strong rationale why that's necessary. Um, when there's are when there are other options, which would be to announce them sooner than that. <laughs> um, and that's not from, and that's not even from like an athlete frustration standpoint. Cause it's like, yeah, like we're all dealing with it. I'm not, or it's not even parody. It's just like from a spectator standpoint, um, people in the audience didn't know what the event was when it was starting people. And because the internet there isn't never very good. So they're like watching people do a bunch of things. And you're like, I don't even know what I'm watching right now. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, like, I don't know how to keep up with this. And I'm like, that's not how you, that's not a good idea. But mm. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Yeah, so, it, can it be? Fr- it, it is. Yeah, I mean, is it frustrating? I, mean, I suppose well, the word, thing, yes, things that you've but you laid just out get there, the things you've laid out there are like if you can't understand why the decision is being made, it's annoying. But obviously, it's plain why the decision was made to move the stage one online and that kind of thing. Oh like, yeah, so it's obviously easier to stomach then when you you're like, oh, I totally understand why that was done, as opposed to like, what are you doing that for? Yeah, I mean, and the constant changes to the games is definitely frustrating. This so this year, COVID year, twenty twenty. You know, I mean, I booked and canceled three accommodations, right, um, in the summer of 2020. Um, you know, oh, it's going to be here. So we had something booked and we canceled it. And we booked something else as soon as we heard news. And we were, we were like, ahead of things. Like, we were kind of trying to be, like, very proactive. And so, mm-hmm. you know, had I been, like, a little more – and, again, it wasn't – I didn't really lose much money booking and canceling. But it was just the – it's just to kind of give an indication of how often it was changing. Like yeah. I had enough reason to believe I needed to book this accommodation. So I did. And then I had to cancel it when it changed and did that, I think three times um, along with some flights and stuff. So yeah, it was a lot of changing, but I don't think there's any other way to really do it. They had, you know, they had to move quick and yeah. try and try and salvage something for the season, which I'm grateful that they salvaged something. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely like, I mean, that's all, all that we were doing as athletes for those couple months was just like trying to obviously train, but then also like figure out like, what am I training for and when is it happening and how do I get there and yeah. legally and COVIDly? And yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It was just, it was a whole, it was a whole aspect that it's your, like the logistics side of that, that you're as an athlete, you know, it's not like, it's not written in the job description, but it's became part of what yeah. was required. Um, Last summer as well, it, like it also saw the advent of the the PFA, which is something that uh, I suppose like was that something that you 
I know you were heavily involved in its inception, we'll say. Is that something that you saw the need for, like, as in something that was lacking when you started back, we we'll say back 2013, 2014, or was it like specifically a reaction to, uh, you say the games last year, all the kind of storm last summer or like 2019, like that whole, you know, uncertainty and just, I suppose, wrongdoing or, or was it a, a more of a case of like seizing an opportunity because of the uncertainty to start something? Uh, a little bit of both it's definitely something that's been talked about for a long time. Um, you know, there's not really, you know, there, and it's, so the professional fitness athletes association, um, it's kind of like an athlete union, but it's not a union because we're not employees. Um, and that's kind of, that's, that's the goal is, you know, to, you know, just have the athletes unified, the voice unified and just improve, you know, health and safety and, uh, working kind of working conditions. Although again, we're not a union, um, to just kind of help, have a centralized voice for some athletes so we can, you know, provide our insight to any competition, whether it's a CrossFit Inc competition or otherwise. Um, it's honestly, it's slow moving. It's not moving as fast as I would like based on the standards of how I like things to move. Uh, just because everyone that's involved is an athlete and we're all really busy. Mm. Right. Um, I'd, I'd love it to be progressing more and there's like some cool ideas of things we can do, but it's, um, it's still moving, you know, slow. It's still there. We, we've got some plans and I, I hope to have like, you know, more and better information and things happening in the coming, coming months and the coming year, but it's just moving slow. Um, but yeah, there's always been a need for it because I mean, uh, well, I mean, simply put like the sport doesn't really have any rules. Yeah. So, you know, like there's a rule book, um, that CrossFit Inc has, and, and obviously sports are different to brands, right? So you know, the NBA is different to the sport of basketball, um, they have slightly different rules, you know, depending on the federation and so forth. But, you know, there's no rules right now really on, um, uh, you know, like what, what is a competition, right? Or like what is, you know, what are the movements that you can put in a competition, right? So, I mean, as, you know, I think there's, there's, there's just a lot of opportunity to, to tighten some things up. And I think the athlete's voice can, can help that. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like the day after that, was announced or that 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 came to light the cross who put a council together of athletes like an athlete advisory council like did that kind of in your eyes like do some of the work for you or do you think it made it more important that the pfa continue to try and do work if you know what i mean oh no I, so you know we were kind of in touch with them when that was happening and um no i, I liked what they did there and i think i think it was great and the 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 athlete advisory council that they have uh, the four athletes were all non-competing. Mm. And so I think they could be a little more uh, open and um, yeah, just open with them about certain ideas because, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously with a sport that's changing as much as this one is, you know, if, if like, let's say, you know, someone from the sport called up me and they're like, Oh, you know, here's a bunch of ideas we have and here's directions we might put them. That kind of puts me potentially in a bit of an advantage yeah. knowing where the sport might go. And so having athletes that aren't competing and being able to like divulge some more kind of a like exclusive and information is, is just a lot easier. So, yeah, no, I think, I think it's a good thing. I'm any, anytime that, you know, I don't, you know, obviously being part of the PFA, I'd love it to, you know, to, to be successful and to grow, but 
you know, if, if, if everything's improving and the athletes voices are being heard and stuff, if it's not the PFA, like I don't care. Right? Yeah. It doesn't really, it doesn't really <laughs> rock my boat. It's, I just, I just want it. It's not like a, definitely not like a, like an ego thing. It's just, uh, I just want things to be better. That's all it is. Right. And if that gets done, however that gets done, you know, if they bring in consultants from, you know, previous uh, other similar sports and like, you know, create new rules or implementations that are of learnings from other sports, like I don't know, golf and whatever track and field or something and create like a system. And even if it's different to what we're used to, or it's just codifying what we kind of come to expect um, in sort of like a gentleman's rule type situation. And they just, actually write down those gentlemen's rules or if it's brand new and it's even if it's like bad for me as an athlete i'm like i don't care as long as it's just improvement in the direction of like uh professionalism consistency that sort of thing yeah so, um speaking of good for you bad for you so uh matt fraser retired um, oh, yeah <laughs> i think that caught a lot of people off guard um is it i was curious as like as a fellow competitor is it a relief to see like someone that could go or does it ramp up pressure where it's like, well, shit, now I have no excuse. If like, my excuse <laughs> was, was, well, obviously I didn't win in 2019. Like Matt was there. Obviously I didn't win. You know, if he's gone, does it ramp up pressure or is it like, you know, the reins are let loose? Um, it's, it really depends on who you are. So, uh, Matt. Oh yeah. So the day that he retired, I was in the gym. I think I was on a, a call uh facetime with my coach and my wife comes in she said brent I'm like yeah she said matt retired i went what no and i thought she meant matt o'keefe my manager and i was a little panicked she's like read the instagram post and i was like oh crap what are we gonna do like you know matt that's super helpful and then i look i'm like oh it's fraser yeah that makes sense and i'm like i gotta get back to training like i don't um and so like i've had a conversation you know it's obviously as a competitor like i mean if Matt wasn't there, I would have been the world champion in 2017. Right. Um, or I would have been on the podium, I guess. And that would have been third two years in a row as well. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like not having him there obviously increases the uh, statistical likelihood of someone else winning because he can't, if he's not there. Uh, and I'm, you know, one of those guys that's in that conversation, whether it's one of the five or 20 or whatever number you choose that I think I'd be in that conversation. Um, but if it really changes anything, I think you probably need to look at what you're doing before, mm. you know, like, like I, I had a thought about that and I'm like, Oh, is there anything really that like knowing that now, is it like, like what, you know, and you know, I had a chat with my wife and, you know, my coaches later, you know, a couple of days later and we were just like, Oh, like, you know, and we're just like, I don't like, we're doing everything, you know, like there's not, it doesn't really change anything. I mean, I'm always like find, trying to find those 1%, right? Like trying to sharpen the saw and just think of one more little thing. And I'm like, yeah, I've got, a, you know, format retired. Like I had a little list of things I was kind of digging into and trying to improve on whether it was mindset or sleep or nutrition or, you know, some little training hack or some video on how to foot position for squat or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, none of that really like functionally changes. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it depends on the person, but for me, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it just depends on the person. I'm sure some people will maybe, uh, yeah, it might stress them out more because the, the, the likelihood of them winning is, you know, maybe become more of a reality or something. And so they might kind of stress themselves out. Uh, for others, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I was texting uh, the group chat with him and 
Vellner and he texted us today a photo of him on the beach. He said, hope, hope, hope train is going well, boys. <laughs> Giving us a hard time. We were like, yeah, it's like pretty cold here right now. <laughs> you know, the temperature or whatever. So yeah, no, I'm happy for him. So yeah. for him. But yeah, it doesn't really deserve in fairness. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's moving on to other things and um, yeah. Can you definitely. see a, a level of like that level of dominance again? Or do you think that as the sport like continues to grow that, that type like the Froning and the Fraser dominance will become less likely because there'd be a larger pool or, you know, I think, I think there's this, and again, like I'm, I've only really been consuming media the last, like whatever, you know, since I've been a team, like 11 or even sports media for the past 10 years, there's a lot of like, it seems like people talk about like greatest of all time and legacy a lot, last little bit more than I used to remember. Yeah, I don't, no, maybe, I'd, maybe, I'd agree, no, I'd agree with that. Would you think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so in order to win five, you got to start with one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I, you know, like a Super Bowl, I didn't end up watching it. I watched like a little bit of it. Um, you know, it was Mahomes and Brady and all they were talking about is like, well, Mahomes needs to win this if he wants to win seven and you know, he's six away. And if he does and they're like, guys, like dude's like 24 years old, like just let him play. You know, like we don't know, like, Oh, if he wants to be considered the greatest of all time, I'm like, well, yeah, like obviously he would love to be considered the greatest quarterback of all time, but I mean he's got practice tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like it's like he, he's he's largely a lot of that is out of his control. Like he needs to have a good team, he needs to have a good um, a good competition schedule, you know, good refing, all that stuff. It just needs to all line up. And so for someone like Tom Brady, who's won seven Super Bowls, it's like that's awesome. Like that is crazy, and it could happen again, or it might never happen again. Like I mean, Wayne Gretzky has the most points. Um, combined of assists and goals and it'll probably never be broken or like you know there's some records or like uh who's the other guy i think it was um brett Favre, most consecutive starts as a quarterback in the nfl it's just some stupid number and so yeah with with frazier i mean like i don't know i mean the sport first of all has to be around mm. another five years for there to be another five-time consecutive champion at a minimum um and then you know it's like let's let's worry about that you know like let's and I think it's, def it's definitely possible. Um, is it likely? I mean, uh, like no, but also yes. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's no, not, it's not, e it's not easy to, it's not, e it's not easy to win a world championship in any sport five years in a row, Yeah, but it's been done in plenty of sports. And I think that's probably the more apt way to look at it is like, you know, we have such a small pool of data. Like I remember people drawing conclusions about like, you know, no CrossFit Games champion has ever won the games if they at first didn't come top seven in the open the two years prior. And I'm like, like we have like, and this was back in like 2013. I'm like, yeah, we've only been doing this for like five years, guys. Like you can't draw like correlations in the data yet. Um, it's just a little early. Um, you know, or it'd be like, you know, when Rich was winning a lock, it's like, you know, the last four years, if you you know, if you don't have a tattoo on your left bicep, stats show you can't win the games. <laughs> if you're initially well, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, so anyway, I mean, I could go on and on. But I, needless to say, I do think it's definitely possible that someone could win five in a row or just five in total. Um, it's it's statistically unlikely, especially in a sport that can is dynamic, is, hmm. is as dynamic as this one. Um, but I think it could still happen. I mean, I'm here for another five years, so we'll see. <laughs> you know, I've, but, you know, you there's nothing I can or anyone can really do about that other than like, you know, I got to train this afternoon. 
Um, <laughs> you're you're a diligent uh, chap, I'd wager. So like, I can't imagine you don't have a plan in place, like long term for yourself when you hang up your nanos. Um, is the professor project and train your weakness? Is that like an avenue that you think you want to explore more as you go on, like coaching and improving other people? That's a good question. And then, you know, what's funny is this is probably the, one of the first times in my life that I don't feel like I have a really long-term plan post hanging up the natos. Um, there's like, there's a bunch of little things and most of them I'll kind of keep private for now, but, um, yeah, I plan to keep those going for sure. Like as long as people are enjoying it and, um, you know, I've got a good staff of people right now that, that help me with those companies. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like I enjoy, I enjoy doing that and I enjoy helping people. And both of those companies are, yeah, it's a lot of fun making that stuff. And I, I appreciate that you mentioned that you feel there's like a, I try to provide something that's, you know, a little better, not better, but um, it's nice that you noticed that there's, you know, it's like done in a very like particular way. You know, it wasn't just, it's not just something I'm like desperately trying to throw together to make a couple bucks. Um, I try to be pretty like thorough with it. Um, yeah. And I think that that'll be part of what I, consider doing when I'm uh, when I'm retired from competing which will be anywhere from you know one month to 10 years I don't really know well yet. you just, just said take, at least take, five years from now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't really know yet right I'm turning 30 uh, at the end of this month um, but you know I feel as good as I ever have to be honest like I mean I've had a stretch of gosh I don't even know how many months without any like real injuries and I mm. can't it's, you know you just learn so much about your body that we'll see um, but yeah no honestly as far as what I'm doing after uh yeah, there's, there's a lot of little things I'm considering some within fitness and CrossFit and some not at all. So we'll just kind of wait and see. I thought it was interesting, like Fraser said it, uh, or kind of alluded to it, I guess, about that like feeling of always being on and always training scared and like that kind of anxiety, I guess. And I spoke to uh, Marcus Philly last week and he was saying something similar that like when he retired, when he quit like competing, he just had this moment of like, oh my God, like it's that monkey's off my back like is that are you aware of that like are you kind of you know is your back up a lot and like you, you know when you get that maybe month off are you can you actually relax when you know you have to go back into it again yeah I can never fully relax because even 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 when I'm like taking a month off training you know you're still not like you know I'm still like mindful of when I go to bed and I'm still like mindful of getting a good night's sleep and doing a couple little sleep things and eating healthy you know, there's like, it's very, it's, it's a very different existence to like, even like high performance from like a, like a business standpoint, let's say you want to be like an entrepreneur and, you know, cause you're an entrepreneur, you can literally like, you know, take a three day vacation, no internet and literally not be doing anything that directly helps you with your company and just eat whatever you want, stay up late, go to whatever, whatever. And then, you know, you just, as long as you like show up and get back on your laptop and have a bit of clarity, then you're back to work. And that was a good three days off, but you can't really, I mean, you like, don't get me wrong. You can do that as an athlete, but like, I don't. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that most athletes that are trying to perform at a high level can really truly, truly like, you know, be off. Um, I mean, some can it's, I'm just not, I'm not hardwired that way. Like I, yeah. I just can't, I don't, I don't, I, I've tried and it's just not even worth, it's not worth like trying. And then I don't want to either. It's not yeah. like I want to just eat terrible and like, you know, intentionally do stuff that's so yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely that. And so I think that the challenge then is trying to take as much off the plate as you can so that, you know, there is that 
kind of lingering guy on your shoulder or whatever. And then obviously the training is very, um, very intense and very focused. And then it's about like, well, in between those training sessions and on the rest days and the rest, the deload weeks, it's like, can you actually like try to switch off as much as possible and just like read a book? Yeah. Yeah. Put your feet up and read a book, you know, cause that's, that's part of it. You know, it's why a lot of like NBA players or whatever, they just play video games all day in between training because they're just trying to switch off. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, in your, uh, on your website about how what a blues on a team was one of your favorite competing moments. Um, is that something that you think you might consider again? Uh, you know, when you're in the autumn of your competitive years, maybe. Uh, I mean, the answer that's pretty short, like we'll see. I, I would say if, if I had to say yes or no right now, I'd probably say no. Um, yeah. I think if I wanted to, but there's it, definitely, it's definitely not out of the question. I think if I wanted to, to do team, I would either like, you know, do it just for fun, throw together some people I like, and we just do it, which would be, which would be super enjoyable. But if I wanted to actually like commit to it, I'd have to move or I'd have to get people to move to me if I wanted it to be the caliber that's yeah, similar yeah. to my level which I don't see myself wanting to like uproot and like make that kind of commitment right now for team just based on, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me um, based on like what the competition looks like. And then not to mention that, like in a very like broad strokes, not to like, I believe I'm capable of a lot, but if you look at what the team competition looks like because I'm taller you know, if I had a team of, you know, men and women that were all short. You're carrying you're doing, the worm on your own, basically. Well, yeah, with the with the worm and the synchro movements, it just doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. it's just, you know, um, as an individual, like, you know, I just need to not stop, yeah. right? Like, it's like, oh, you suck at handstands. It's like, yeah, like, you know, but if I just don't stop, then I'll be just fine. Like, I can yeah. I can do fine. In a lot of, but, you know, it's different when you're trying to do a synchro, you know, touch and go deadlift and the person's, you know, a foot shorter than you. It's like, that's a problem. And <laughs> you can't, there's nothing you can like technique away um, or like fitness away from that. So, yeah, I mean, short answer is like, I don't really, it's definitely, I never write something off like that because there could be some cool opportunities, but I don't really see it. It's definitely not like on the forefront of like, oh, that's the next thing. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but, but maybe, you know, yeah. I'm not, never going to say no to that, but. Um, oh look, we'll finish with a quick fire. Um, yeah, conscious of the time for you. Um, so they're they're mostly either or, I think. So row or ski. Row. Uh, swim or volleyball. Volleyball. Uh, bench or squat. Squat. Snatch or clean. Ah, uh, snatch. Gymnastics or cardio. Gymnastics lately, enjoying it. Yeah. And a uh, favorite Zevia flavor? Uh, grape or um, the kids flavor, the um, uh, strawberry lemonade, I think it's called, with Mickey on it. <laughs> when you said kids flavor, I was just imagining you one flavored like a kid. I was like, this is bizarre. <laughs> 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 no, toddler flavor no no they're like they're like made for kids with these little ones um yeah. i haven't had that flavor in a bit but yeah it's a i'm not but yeah i'm pretty sure it's like a, it's just no it's fruit punch that's what it, it's the fruit okay, punch yeah. one it's the red one with mickey oh just it's amazing yeah. um well listen thanks a million again i've this has uh just been surreal it's been great i really appreciate you coming on um and best of luck with everything all your competitive and 
you know, personal endeavors long term. I really always want the best for you. So I hope that whatever happens this year works out in your favor. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this year. Hopefully, uh, hopefully COVID will allow me to compete in person. That would be, oh, that's all I really want, to be honest. <laughs> I just love to, you know, even without spectators, but I'm also very aware that, um, you know, that might not happen for quite a while. So, but yeah, other, one, other than that, man, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I enjoyed, enjoyed it a lot and enjoyed the questions and hopefully enjoyed the answers. So.